pitch explodes. What was your mindset when you stepped in the batter's box? Go yard. I mean, <laughs> I'm a pitcher. Why not swing as hard as I can? He was so worked up, he vomited on the sideline and then just kept on yelling at his teammates, Steve. <laughs> if becoming a sideline reporter for ESPN didn't make me popular, this thing did. I've been getting offers for it all day long. That might be the best sideline report in the history of sideline reports. <laughs> Welcome back into the Sideline Pass podcast. I can't believe we're going to say this, but it is the end of the regular season. I swear, Molly McGrath, we were here just two weeks ago talking about how we were so excited for the season, and now I'm about to shed a tear that it's almost over. How are you? I'm good. I'm in shock, too. And this is such a cliche, but it does go by so fast when and in the grind of constant prep and phone calls and you know, it's, it just goes by so fast. So I, it's been a really fun season, a really unexpected season. I think a lot of like unexpected things have happened. The only consistent thing has been Georgia's dominance, which you covered the Bulldogs this last weekend. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but we've also had a lot of surprises, Notre Dame's ups and downs, Clemson having what people are calling a down year and then losing this last week to South Carolina which I was covering that game. And we'll talk about that as well. It's just, it's been a year full of surprises, which I think that you kind of love, right? Like you look at what the final four is going to be for the college football playoff. And we're not going to see Alabama in there. Most likely Um, you're going to see maybe TCU and you're going to see potentially USC and teams that are unexpected. So you kind of love the differences of this season because you want other programs to have their moment to shine. So I'm excited to see how things shake out in these final weeks and stuff. And one of those teams that was a surprise who speaking of moments to shine was Shane Beamer and South Carolina. They beat Clemson the first time this program's ever won back-to-back top 10 games. And Molly, I have watched that post-game celebration on the field with coach Beamer so many times. I mean, not just because of what he said and them chanting Beamer ball, but like your interview was fantastic. And I'm going to give you a compliment, which you'll probably be annoyed by, but like you, you feel the joy. Like I see the joy with you too. Like the, like you express the human emotion and the authenticity along with him. Uh, and so, uh, it's one of your best skill sets, but it was just a really incredible, uh, post game moment to witness. Thank you. It's, it's really hard. Sometimes I watch back post-game interviews after moments like that. And I'm like, I need to chill because I get emotional and I get fired up and I get really caught up in the moment with the coach. And that's when I think um, interviews are at their best is when you feel that moment and you're able to pull questions and answers out of them to properly show that. But I remember after the interview being like, was I just too excited? <laughs> but, it, but it was palpable and I could feel it from Shane Beamer and you have to be so happy for him. And this interview, my first, so my first question to him was that he told Spencer Rattler at halftime, if we win this game, it'll be because of you. And I asked about his quarterback and I went back to that moment. And so my post-game interview, the foundation of it really started at halftime. And it was really interesting because South Carolina's down at the half. They're down by, um, when, when we decided to go with Shane Beamer, they're down by two scores. And I'm talking to my producer and I go, I go with Dabo, right? And he's like, don't you think Shane might be better? 
And I'm like, yeah, thank you for challenging me on that. And he will be a better interview because he's Shane Beamer. He's excited to be here. His team is still hanging in despite the fact that they weren't able to run the ball at all in the first half, but they're still kind of hanging in the game. Spencer Rattler has thrown two interceptions, but they're only down by nine points at the half. So you have to applaud the fact that they stuck with it. So it was like, okay, I'm going to go with Shane Beamer. And as he's walking towards me, he's in Spencer Rattler's ears with his arm around him. And so the obvious question, Hey, Spencer Rattler, two interceptions in the first half. What did you just say to your quarterback? And he said, I just told him if we're going to win in the second half, it'll be because of him, which was an amazing moment. Um, and that was a really, that was something we went back to all game is the fact that he said that, and it proved true in the second half, they won that game because Spencer Rattler was special. And it was one of those career moments where you just feel so happy for a kid who's taken on so much criticism. Um, and can he put together back to back performances in the first half? He did not look good and he was rattled and Clemson's, um, goal of the game was rattle rattler and they did it in the first half, but the second half he showed resilience and that was really cool. So that was my first question to Shane Beamer after the game was how special his quarterback was in that game. And then it was kind of cool. I then asked about, there was a crucial special teams play at the end of the game that kind of saved Clemson from being able to score again. And so I said, um, I forget. I I said a crucial special teams play, like how, how proud would your dad be of that one? You know, with the whole Beamer ball thing, I kind of wish I said like, how did your team get it done in all three phases today? Or like at near the end, I wish that I made it a more broad question, but I wanted to have fun with him. Like, Hey, how proud would dad be? And he had fun with it. And in that moment, as I asked about his special teams, the crowd around us started chanting Beamer ball, which Beamer ball is all about it's all about harping on the special team. So I thought that was really cool that the crowd became a part of that interview in a sense, like what were the odds of that? I think that that was just random that they started chanting that. And we were talking about his special teams and then our director, Scott Johnson, who's amazing. And one of the best cut to a shot of Frank Beamer in the crowd. And they found him right away, which also made that really, really cool. And then, um, and, and during this entire interview, by the way, Chris, I know you've had moments like this too. The audio, my audio, because people rushed the field, my audio was popping. So I didn't know if my microphone was working, but I knew the moment was too big to miss it. And I couldn't just throw back to them. So I did the entire interview, not hearing my producer. I hardly heard Sean's toss to me. Like, it popped and I heard him lay out and I heard the sound of my own microphone. So then I started asking coach questions, but I didn't have communication with my truck. So I didn't know if I had time for more questions. So I kept it to three. I would have ideally wanted to go to four. Um, but I knew that we were backed up against a game coming right after us. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to be safe and go with three. Cause my producer could be telling me that my mic isn't working. We need to get off. Like I, I like, I don't, I don't know. So I went for a third, not knowing if this was even like a good product on the air, but knew that the moment was too big to not just go for it. And it's also really distracting to have that popping in your yeah. ear as you're trying to talk. Um, and then the last one was like big picture, two top 10 wins, first time that they've done that in program history, like what that does for them. And, and Shane Beamer said something so cool that they're in a playoff of their own with the way that they've been playing lately. Um, and, and I think that speaks to the fact that the college football playoff doesn't have to be the end all be all like teams can still have a successful season without making it into the playoffs, and they can make an impact 
on the college football landscape without being one of the final four teams. And that's what South Carolina did. So that was overall just like one of the coolest post-game moments to be a part of. And I'm so happy for Shane Beamer and Spencer Rattler and everyone in their program. It's funny because, you know, Clemson had won 40 straight home games and they have this tradition of rushing the field. And so you're yeah. wondering what that was going to look like. Well, hey, anyone's allowed on the field, including Gamecock fans. And so it was the team and the Gamecock fans that were there all huddled around them. Uh, so it was it was interesting, especially like when you look at it from up top, because there's Clemson fans that still rush the field, even in a loss. No. And then some South Carolina fans that rushed as well. Yeah, I know. I was looking back at some of the pictures. I was like, why are Clemson fans surrounding the post-game interview with Shane Beamer? Like, wrong coach, wrong team. Um, And during the game, it didn't seem like there were a lot of South Carolina fans there. It felt very overwhelmingly Clemson. So I thought that was really cool that the people that were there were able to go on the field and celebrate with them. It did make for a really chaotic and hectic post-game situation. Like, I almost couldn't find Spencer Rattler. And then I'm interviewing Spencer. I'm about to interview him. I'm waiting with him. And like a mosh pit starts. And he's like, whoa. And he's like pushing people off of me and him. Like he's like acting like my bodyguard. I'm like, thanks. (laughs) This is, this is crazy. So I had Clemson two weeks ago and I had talked to you about this offline about, I, you know, my director was like, okay, when you go to get Dabo, like, make sure you're not in any of the shots while we cut around. And I'll be like, for anyone that's never been part of a crowd storm or field rush, unless you're in it, like you cannot properly explain how hectic it is. And if you don't find and basically put your hands and eyes on coach immediately, it's gone. Yeah. Because then they get pushed in some other direction and then you're on the outside and everyone is a foot taller than you down there. You have no mm-hmm. ability to be able to find anybody. I was like, yeah, that ain't possible. <laughs> like, Good for you. I would have been like, yeah, like, not happening. There's no way. Like I'll lose him and the interview won't happen. So my move is um, sprinting towards the 50 being right behind the coach with the handshake. Mm-hmm. The second the handshake is over and he turns, I'm there. Hey coach, congrats. Let's talk. Yeah. Because there's no other way to get a coach post game. Even if it's not a field storm, it happens fast. Their security whisks them away quickly. Like you need to get them right off that handshake or you're screwed. So that's just unrealistic expectations. But before we move on from Clemson, let's talk about Clemson. Because it was interesting during the week um, leading up to this game against South Carolina, Dabo, I think, had some issue with where they were ranked. They're ranked as number eight. And I think his point is valid where he says, you know, people say that we're like, like they beat they beat a couple ranked teams at the time. So their strength of schedule was solid. And um He's like, people ask, like, what is Clemson good at? Well, we'll, all we do is win. We're winning. You know, we won 40 straight home games. And I get that. And that doesn't apply anymore now that they lost to South Carolina. Um, But people's perception, it's almost like people wrote Clemson off no matter what, is what it feels like. People are just like, this team just isn't that good. And I think it's because people maybe didn't believe in DJ. And uh, once he started to spiral, people didn't believe in the program. So I'm just curious, like, your thoughts on it. 
I'm covering them this week for the ACC championship game. Chris, this never happens. I'm covering Clemson for the fifth time this season. Fifth, five, five times. That's like half a season, essentially, of just covering Clemson. And I know you've covered them a couple times too. So you and I have a unique perspective on what's going on there. So I'm interested in hearing what you think about the state of Clemson and everything with that this year. Well, first off, lucky you that you get to cover a team that doesn't allow you to stand behind their benches five times in a year. That makes for life so much. Easier. That makes my life so <laughs> difficult. And their security guys, by the way, are kind of aggressive where they follow me. Like oh, I will I be behind They're their like bench. That chick, she tries to bend the rolls. That one. Yeah. This girl, this girl doesn't <laughs> listen. So I will stand behind the bench area and, and one of the security guys will follow me and be like, keep moving. And they'll walk me off, like away from the bench area. And I'm like, okay, like back up, like give, give me some space. But I did get a really good nugget from the bench area as I'm slowly pacing. So for people who don't know, like we spend most of our time during the game behind the bench area because you can just catch a moment, you know, and you never know when it's going to happen. So it's best to be behind the bench area. And with Clemson, they don't allow you to stand still behind their bench area and people are shooing you away. So I'm constantly just slowly walking back and forth and pacing like a crazy person. I look like a caged animal, basically. And as I'm doing that in the second half, I notice, and Chris, I know you've never seen this with Clemson, a group of their defensive players got into a fight. Like like, a verbal altercation that got to the point where they had to be separated by coaches and people were holding them back. Because South Carolina was finding so much success, especially against their secondary, like some explosive plays in the passing game. So it was a lot of players in the secondary yelling at each other. And um, it it got like aggressive. And so I was like, well, you guys don't keep me away from your bench area, but I saw that. And so I did a quick report on it. And it was one of those reports that's like just a couple seconds. It's just a couple sentences where I'm like, hey, guys, this is what I just saw. And it added a lot of perspective. And that one I've seen referred to a lot in the media. And it's one of those like tiny little nugget, but it tells you exactly where this team is at. So I thought that that I was like, yay, I got one over on the security guards. <laughs> that's an but interesting anyway, one. Cause that's a really tight knit unit that D line at Clemson. Uh, here's my takeaway on Clemson. And I've been pretty vocal about this on the radio is like D- DJ is not what we saw in those moments at 2020 when Trevor Lawrence had COVID and was out. He has been better in moments this year. And we've talked about it on here of like growing the mental side of the game. Um, But also Dabo has been very open about Kay Klubnik and the talent that you have as the number one quarterback in that class from Westlake Austin, and that he could be the next Trevor Lawrence. And so while I applaud Dabo for being fiercely loyal to his guys, you never hear him criticize any of them. Like, let's be honest in today's day and age of college football. Like what's the chances that DJ's back next year? You either lose Kate Klubnick to the transfer portal or DJ tries to go to the NFL or tries to start somewhere new. And maybe that's great for him. Maybe that's a bone Nicks situation or Spencer Rattler, like you covered this weekend. Um, so I'm so maybe he's stuck with them to allow him to impress people so that he can find another home. I'm just surprised. It's now two seasons in a row 
And I think what makes it even more stark contrast, it's like, listen, they've won 10 games. It's not a wash of a season. They've done 12 seasons of 10 straight games, but Dabo always has a stud quarterback. Mm -hmm. And when you look around the college landscape, the best teams have great quarterbacks. It's just a great quarterback year. And so it's even more of a stark contrast that Dabo doesn't have that. Also knowing the talent that's behind him. Yeah, I, I agree with everything that you said. And I, I feel for DJ. I mean, he is so heavily criticized and Dabo came out today at the beginning of this week ahead of the ACC championship game and said, DJ is our quarterback. DJ will start the ACC championship game. And he did not have a good game last week. He wasn't able to do much. And their offense was ineffective in the second half. But Dabble made a good point. He said, DJ needs to be better, but everyone around him needs to be better too. And you look at who Trevor Lawrence had in the receiving core. And you like, there's no Hunter Renfro. There, there, there's no, there are no guys like that in their receiving core for DJ to be his main guy. Their best receiver is Williams, Antonio Williams, who's a true freshman. And so he's had to come along throughout this season, but in the beginning of the season, he, he really wasn't a factor in their offense. Bo Collins is a guy who DJ played with in high school and they have a strong relationship but he's been injured a lot. He was injured in the second half of our game, which I think made a really big difference for DJ and his confidence. I don't think that DJ has a receiver. He trusts the way that, you know, quarterbacks trusted guys like Hunter Renfro. There wasn't that big play guy. There's Will Shipley, but he can only do so much. He's running the ball. He's catching the ball. He's blocking. Will Shipley will play hundred out of a hundred snaps if he has to, but there's only so much that they can do without explosives in the passing game. So I think that unfairly all the blame is going to DJ, but I think that they, they need to get some more talent at wide receiver in order to really compete. And, and I don't think that's DJ's fault. So I feel for him. I do think, you know, for this game, for the ACC championship game, they're going to start with DJ, but I would not be surprised if they go to Cade, um, relatively quickly if DJ's in a rut or if they need to get a spark just to have a couple plays with Cade, you know, just to give them a little bit of a spark because they need to win this game, right? If Clemson, it, it's, they've had how many straight 10 win seasons, they've been so successful, but if they don't win an ACC championship game and they're not in the playoff again, then this year really is a loss for Clemson. Right. So they need to win this ACC championship game. I think that the desperation for that is probably high. Um, So I think that we will see Dabo do whatever he needs to do to win in this game. It's just my thoughts. That's not based off of talking to anyone. I I just think that's what he has to do. So I want to go back to your your question to to Shane. I asked the exact same question to Kirby (laughs) heading into half. They were uh, up by three over Georgia Tech, a, a game that they were supposed to, you know, you would have thought they'd be up by three touchdowns. Yeah. Offense just didn't, like, lacked any kind of spark. Anyway, so I'm mm-hmm. I'm waiting for him. And he is walking with Stetson Bennett all the way into the locker room. And, and you're like, like, hey, bud, I'm right hello, here. Oh, hello. And their <laughs> SID is like, don't worry, he's going to come. He's going to come. The, the security guards will steer him. 
So that was my second question to him was, hey, you just talk with Stetson all the way basically into the locker room. You know, what'd you tell him? And he was like, I told him he's got to play with confidence. Mm. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's interesting because like you've covered a senior day, you know, there sometimes there's lingering emotions after a senior day. And I got that sense a little bit with Stetson. Really? Um, yeah. That they're, mm. And then even after the game, they won. They still won by 30. And I'm like, you know what? How has this team been able to pull off back to back undefeated seasons, regular seasons? And he's like, I don't know. We played terrible. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah. And then he yeah. had told me early in the week, like on the phone, he's wonderful. You know, like he, I could talk to him for an hour and I'll share with you like some funny stuff that we talked about. But I had asked him if he reflected at all and, or had gotten emotional thinking about senior day. And he was like, honestly, I have. It's like I started getting teary eyed thinking about it the other day. And then I realized I had to push that out of my mind. And I looked back at the moments that I've loved so much. And I thought, why were those moments so great? And it was because I was in the moment. And so I put something in his notes app that said, um, you can't go forward if you're still looking back. Hmm. And so when we're standing on the field at the end, I was like, can you kind of describe to me what it's been like to play on this field for the last couple of years? Hmm. And he was like, I don't he goes, I don't know. We're not done. It's because he turned it off for that game. He turned it off for that game. And Stetson Bennett is someone who I agree is lovely on the phone, like so warm and likable. And you're like, oh my gosh, this, this guy is so easy to talk to. And he's such a normal person. And then once he gets on the field, it's like Kirby gets in his head and they are so laser focused on what they need to do to be successful. and it's great for them. It makes for a terrible interview. Some of my worst interviews have been with Kirby and his players because they are so locked into their message that they like, it's like they're robots. They can't talk about anything else. They won't talk about the sec championship game until they're there, you know, like they won't look ahead. It's so kudos, like much respect they have trained their guys really well that I think that's why they've been so successful, but damn, is it frustrating as a reporter? You're trying to actually have a human conversation on the field after a game. And that's probably why Claude was like, you want to talk to Stetson? And I'm like, he was great this week. I thought like he would totally give me some stuff once it was over, but this was a funny moment. So I had asked him like, you know, you're out of eligibility. You probably have five degrees at this point. What would you do if football wasn't in your future? And he goes, well, I've thought about law school, but mm. I don't know what kind of law I do. Both my parents are pharmacists. That sounds really boring. I don't want to do that. And he goes, have you ever watched Friends? I was like, yes. He's like, I want to be Ross from Friends. And I go, you want to be a paleontologist? And he goes, no. But you know how Ross just knew what he wanted to do since he was five years old? That'd be really nice to have that feeling. What a random poll that is. First of all, I'm glad that any college football player references friends uh, now in the year 2022. Uh, But it was just like an authentic moment of that. He was like, I have no idea. I have no idea what's ahead. You know, Mm -hmm. he's probably I don't know where he fits in the NFL, maybe as a backup quarterback somewhere. I will say this. It was interesting talking to Kirby. of Like quarterbacks nowadays, because because Georgia doesn't run one of those up-tempo, high, fast, trickiest style kind of offenses. 
like Stetson's knowledge of football and breaking down defenses and being able to read a field and coverages is really elite. And maybe though he's 5'10", like he'll be able to walk into some of those meetings and impress people that in other offenses, other quarterbacks may not be able to do. So I don't know, maybe finds his way on as a backup somewhere. I mean, Chase Daniels made bucos of millions of dollars as a backup. And he, he would be a really good backup. He would be a really solid backup that would make a quarterback room better, I think. So I wouldn't be surprised if he went that route and tried that for a little while and you can make lots of money and then invest the money and then kind of figure out what you want to do. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, what was his second half like? Was He he must have been a little better in the second half. Um, I didn't get- they started running the ball a lot better. I mean, the first half, they had 28 passing yards. And then he didn't really play much of the fourth quarter once it got out of the way. So I just think overall, he just didn't have a great day. But I did get to, it was a fun open. I got to start the broadcast interviewing his parents. That's so cool. Uh, and his mom, Denise, is lovely. And <laughs> I was like, you know, it was like I interviewed them right after the senior day moment where he runs out on the field and they hug. And I asked her, I was like, what are the emotions right now? And she was like, well, I'm wearing gla- sunglasses to hide my tears. Oh my gosh. So, so cute. Yeah. It was a really sweet moment. I, that's, that was, that's cool that you were able to do that interview because his dad did have such a great influence on his career. Yeah. Right. And in basically like building a football field, like next to the pharmacy where he and his friends were able to play and like that kind of stuff and fostering his talent and his love for football. That's really cool for people who know Stetson Bennett's background. You want to hear from his dad, you know? Um, so that's, that's really neat. You're able to do that. I I asked about how Stetson was in the second half. Cause I'm like, well, first of all, Chris and I are both Heisman voters. Chris is new Heisman voter this year, which is exciting. We just got our first email coordinating, um, the deadline, which is December 5th. That's Monday after, um, conference championship games. And I'm going to wait until then to vote. And we're legally not allowed to say who we will vote for. So we won't talk about that. Um, we can say who we like for it, but not who's going to like be on our ballot. Um, but in the beginning of the year, I was like, why not Stetson Bennett? And I even said that on the fine bomb show and was like, yeah, I'm going to beat my chest with that. I think he's the most underrated guy in college football. He makes his team better. He's so smart. He's so talented. He does exactly what his team needs him to do. Like, why isn't he being noticed for these national awards? He has games like that where, you know, he isn't able to do much and maybe he's just a game manager, but in the really big moments, he's amazing. So like if Stetson Bennett has, an incredible performance in the sec championship game. Like that's someone who I think should be on people's ballots Yeah, because I think that people need to recognize the talent and how special someone like him is. We can't view him as the walk on anymore. People can't view him as the third string quarterback who won a national championship. They need to view him as the national championship MVP. Mm -hmm. And I think he deserves a little more respect. So I'm like totally on the Stetson Bennett train. Um, also, there are other quarterbacks who statistically have been far better this season. I understand that. And Caleb Williams had an insane performance on Saturday night against the game. Did you see him strike the Heisman pose in the end zone? He was like, I yeah. got this ish locked up. <laughs> and Holly Rowe very smartly asked about it at the end of the game. And 
he, he said, Oh, my teammates were like egging me into doing that. They made me do it, which I was glad she asked about it so that he could like explain it. So that people who are like, Oh, he's so cocky. He's doing the Heisman pose already. Well, you know, like whatever, he's having fun with his teammates, his teammates on, like, if you were, if you had that adrenaline pumping and you're in the heat of the moment, and if you were that freaking good at football, then yeah, yeah. you would do it too. He's insane. So it's fun having um, a Pac-12 team, <laughs> still a Pac-12 team for now, um, finding success. It's fun to see what Lincoln Riley has done at USC. That is an incredible job. He should definitely be considered for coach of the year. There's a, there's a handful of them, but he's one of them. We're recording this on Monday, a year ago today. Lincoln Riley left Norman for USC and, and look what I he's done. people laughing at the beginning of the year because RG three had put him in his playoff predictor, the start of the year. And everyone mm-hmm. was like, there's no way you take 40 transfers and turn it into this. Give credit to Lincoln Riley. He's an incredible coach and I covered their spring game. And I remember saying to him, I was like, you basically have a super team. You have these pieces that you picked from every other place, but how, do you make it work? Like sometimes super teams in the NBA don't work. There are too many big personalities, too many divas and, and the chemistry is off. And he's to his credit, he's done an incredible job of establishing a culture there where it's worked. Yeah. And there's a lot of joy within their program. I think that's a big part of it. And Caleb Williams is a good example of that. So I, I, he's, he's really, really, impressive with what he's been able to do. And by the way, Oklahoma fans are probably dying right now Uh, because Saturday night, you, the, the performance that Caleb Williams had and the fact that USC has a good chance to make it into the playoff, it's theirs to lose right at this point, USC make it into the playoff. And then Spencer Rattler back to back top 10 wins has an incredible performance. It's like, Oh, coulda, woulda, shoulda. And we lost to West Virginia. Like, oh my gosh. Uh, It is that day for Sooner fans. No, that absolutely. I didn't think of it like that. Hey, before (laughs) we let uh, everyone go, you got some questions this week? Yeah. Okay. So Carly Murray sent me uh, a message on Instagram saying, question for the podcast. And this is, you and I are going to chuckle over this. Why are there not sideline reporters in some broadcasts? Do they not hire enough across the board? I'm curious, especially since it seems to hurt broadcast this season. Thank you. Well, money, Carly. money, money, money. People are cheap. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> I mean, that's true. They're trying to save money. Yeah. And a lot of, you'll see a lot of Remy broadcasts, remotely produced broadcasts, don't have sideline reporters because they just have a play-by-play and an analyst calling the game from a screen in a studio somewhere or in a closet somewhere or at their home or something like that. And they don't want to pay to send someone on site. And it, I agree, it does hurt the quality of the broadcast. And it shows. It shows, especially last this last week, there were some um, instances where you could tell the booth didn't know what was going on. And it's because it was remotely um, called. So that is why. And it's a bummer. But um, I think that the best games will always continue having reporters on them because it does add a lot of value and to have a quality broadcast, you need a sideline reporter. But what really bums me out is that some of those like Remy Cruz and some of those lower level games on ESPNU and ESPN plus that could be an opportunity for an up and comer, like a 25 year old trying to make it in the industry. And they're just not 
there's not going to be as many of those opportunities for those people. So that kind of. Now I will say like ESPN is really good. Like you look at our grid and we have 15 deep worth of sideline reporters. Mm -hmm. Can't say that uh, on some other networks. And I also think it's a shame for the booth because I know the booth appreciates us being there, even if it's, you know, whether you get in a little or a lot, it's a safety blanket of, hey, I haven't seen so-and-so in a while. Can you check on this person? Can you find this out? Like you're putting them in an unfair position as well. But the answer, Carly, is money. People are cheap. Yep. That's the answer. It's a bummer. But hopefully, um, I think it's exposed some some networks this season so that I think that they will hopefully work on, um, not letting that happen again. Um, so yeah, that's the answer to that. Keep sending us questions. We love answering questions. Chris, do you have anything else to say? What? Okay. Tell everyone what you have coming up this week. Okay. So it's hoop season officially. I get to be, uh, I'm, I'm really excited because, uh, I have not worked a game with Dick Vitale since, uh, oh. Well, I have since his cancer diagnosis, but since he beat cancer and since his throat issue. So I'll be with him and Dave O'Brien uh, and one of our favorite producers, Kim Belton, uh, this Yay! week, Ohio State at Duke. So I'm excited for hoop season. Um, we've already had some incredible games. We had a four overtime game this uh, yesterday, Sunday. Uh, so I have that. And then I don't know if we're, I, I, I believe we might be, be a part of the stuff for the selection show on Sunday. Nice. That'll be, it's always fun being a show. Yeah. And you have what on Saturday? So I'm going to be at the ACC championship game on Saturday, Clemson, UNC, um, my fifth Clemson game of the season. So prep is relatively easy. I haven't seen UNC yet though, this season. I haven't, I'm going to give Mac the biggest hug. He's the best. Um, and I haven't seen Drake may in person. Mm. So Really excited to cover him. I have a phone call with him this week. I'm really pumped to talk to him one-on-one. He's the kind of guy that I just wanted to talk to one-on-one to like dig into more of who he is and humanize him because everyone's heard his name, but um, you want people to get to know him. So hopefully I'll be able to do that in that game. Um, so I'm really, really excited for that. And then from there, it's bowl season in the playoffs. So we have a lot. We'll- lot more to talk about. I don't know. We probably, I don't know if we'll do one next week, but we'll do one during the playoff for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Or even yeah. during bowl season at some point, um, yeah. we talk about who's in, who's out, and maybe some of the bowls that we're looking forward to watching at least some matchups. Yeah. So stay tuned, make sure you subscribe so that you know, when a new podcast, a new episode is out and please keep sending us questions. We love your questions. Um, and thank you for listening. We'll see you guys soon.